This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I think Mike could be right there for you in every way, knowing that you are as big of a supporter of his team as you are. Mike's there. In hindsight, McCarthy would probably be very against the notion of backing me up, considering the one to two million times I've criticized his game management over the last decade. All right, that's fair. I may have said one nice thing about it, but I've, I've, I've also said a few not-so-nice things. We did say earlier in the week it was the battle of the Titans in ineptitude between him don't, and I'm the, Don't, don't yeah. put words in my mouth. That's, that's your thing. I was very excited about that Charger-Cowboy game. Well, nobody stepped in to say I was wrong about that. <laughs> I may have actually pushed you into that take. It's Carlin versus Joe. <laughs> ESPN Radio, we are presented by Progressive Insurance right now. Kevin Clark, host of This Is Football for Omaha Productions and ESPN, joins us, one of the newest members of the ESPN family. Kevin, we appreciate the time. It's Chris Carlin and Joe Fortenbaugh. Thanks so much for joining us. How you doing, bud? I could have listened to that conversation forever. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. W- would Mike McCarthy step in to defend Joe as an Eagles fan who has found himself in the unenviable position of having to defend the Cowboys? <laughs> listen, I, I stuck my neck out at the beginning of the season and predicted the Cowboys would make the Super Bowl. And ever since, ever since the San Francisco game, I have been kicking myself for ever even believing in Mike McCarthy and hand-waving anything that Mike McCarthy did. Um, I am the biggest moron on the planet, uh, and, and I would also include Mike McCarthy in there as yeah, maybe even less dumb than I am for believing in Mike McCarthy. Yeah, due respect, I'm a much bigger moron than you. Don't worry. We've got plenty of more takes coming your way to prove that. <laughs> All right, Kev, let's get into some bigger picture stuff with the league we see right now that offense is actually down around the league when it's supposed to be an offensive league so what's going on here yeah i mean listen since 2011 there's basically been an uninterrupted spike in numbers every single year for quarterbacks and a lot of that was timing you had an incredible generation a golden age of quarterbacks that were getting into their 30s and all of a sudden you have drew Brees and tom brady and philip rivers and peyton manning and all these guys who were just taking advantage of the rules what i think is happening now is defenses are more comfortable with kind of defending modern offense which means taking away explosives um taking away the deep pass putting safeties back there deep and saying take the easy stuff and i only think basically half the league can take the easy stuff um that's been an adjustment in every single facility guys over the past couple years is uh taking the six yard throw instead of the 25 yard throw and not every quarterback wants to do that i heard a joke once uh, a year ago from a defensive coach saying um if you just try to get these guys to play boring uh they'll get bored and try to take a risk um and i think that's probably true of most of these offenses that are built to go downfield i think the pass rush has a lot to do with it when you think about just how many miles garrett and tj watts and micah parsons there are around the league although micah parsons now doesn't show up every single week um but i think that you just you end up with uh, uh defenses that understand how do i guess stop the bleeding from what amounts to 12 years of uninterrupted offensive dominance and for those betting, unders have already hit 60% of the time through the first six yeah. weeks of the season, which at some point there will be the reaction in Vegas, and then there will be the opportunity to bet overs. Now, speaking of overs, there is one offense out there that hasn't been slowed down. That'd be the Miami Dolphins, who are averaging eight yeah. yards per play, which is insane. The University of Washington leads college football at 8.4 yards per play. So that shows <laughs> you what Miami is doing right now. 
I mean, we call it a copycat league. Is it possible for other teams to try to replicate what they're seeing in Miami? Sure. All you need is the fastest six guys on the planet. Um, <laughs> and then you need an offensive coach who's going to get them in space all the time and can block and can do and has a, a quarterback with a quicker release than anybody in football this year. Um, just Simple easy, enough. Right? Um, no, the, the plan has been so incredible over the two years of Mike McDaniel because I did not I believed in the beginning of the Flores era it takes a dive and then I was just completely out on the Tua era entirely and um, I I, coming into this year I was higher on Tua than most when you look at the numbers he's good against every coverage and then you add in these guys I mean they put up 70 points without Jalen Waddle and I know that Sean Payton is barely uh, running a functional team right now Um, you mentioned college teams I mean it looks more like that uh, some weeks but I I, I just I'm, I'm marveled at what they're able to do. Um, Getting downfield quickly and having a quick release is pretty much uh, indefensible. You cannot do, you cannot defend it if you're unless you get a significant four man pass rush really 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 quickly and get your hands up and block those passes. It's very very hard. Um, the Bills were able to do it, but then Matt Milano, who was who was the Dolphin stopper, goes out for the year. So who knows what's going to happen next time they face each other? So the speed there is basically unreplicable. Um, if that's a word, and it is now, and and I just don't know if if I'm a team, I try to do something else on the offensive side of the ball because I can't do that. Can, Kevin say, Clark- can make up any words you want on this show. I'll tell you that much. Oh, we're yeah. not going to be able to. Thanks, we're not going to be able to tell you if it's wrong or not. Then I have a degree <laughs> in English. No clue. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Kevin Clark, this is football for Omaha Productions and ESPN. Joining us, um, we discussed this earlier in the show. In your estimation, we we know we get the big matchup this weekend. But who has the easier path to the Super Bowl, the Eagles or the Dolphins? You know, I thought it was it was going to be the Eagles because I thought the AFC was so stacked. But then you go around the AFC and you say, wait a second, obviously you have the Chiefs there, but they're, let's, call it, let's give them an incomplete grade um, over the first six weeks of the season. And then you say, okay, well, the Jets aren't what we thought they were. Uh, the Bengals are not what we thought they were. The Chargers uh, seem mired in some sort of coaching crisis right now. And so I'd actually say the AFC has, has thinned out a little bit. Um, and the Eagles now are going to have to deal with the Niners. Um, they're going to have to deal with some version of the Cowboys, whatever you want to call it. And then this Lions team, guys, is they have an identity and they have a floor and they have a quarterback who has 29 touchdowns and four interceptions over his last full season of football. Um, and so right now I'd much rather be an AFC team, which I could not believe I'd be saying uh, this time uh, a month ago. It, it is a, I'd much rather be the Dolphins than the Eagles if I'm looking for a Super Bowl right now. Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler wrote this week that the Broncos should consider benching Russell Wilson at some point because of the injury guarantees in his contract. Do you think we're close to something like that happening? Yeah, I talked about it a month ago uh, when it first looked like Russell Wilson wasn't going to be salvaged by Sean Payton. And I think we're, we're past that point now beyond that, like, even when Russell Wilson looks fine, like what's the point of trotting him out there in a lost season and in an era where you you know you're going to have to hit a hard reset? Um, the injury guarantees are significant. He has a contract that is oddly structured where basically future years become guaranteed in March of the previous year. Um, and so I just right now I just say how do I how do I get out of this era? Um, and that means benching. That means cutting as soon as possible. Taking your medicine uh, as far as the cap goes. The cap goes up every single. 
year the TV contracts are kicked in. You can hide that kind of money, even though it's significant. We've seen that with the Rams with Jerry Goff. The Eagles do with Carson Wentz. You can hide quarterback contracts and dead money on the cap. I would get that done as soon as possible because this era is going nowhere without a new quarterback. And by the way, unless they get a top two pick, it may never go anywhere anyway. Well, that's the other biggest thing here, too. When you tie that in, it's not exactly like they have a, a ton of draft capital sitting around in Denver right. either. So if it's not going to be Russell Wilson, how do they navigate this? I don't know. Um, they don't give up. Get a time machine. Get a DeLorean and figure yeah. this out, right? <laughs> Um, that's that's really the only path. Unless that's a better hit, strategy than a lot of coaches have taken over the years. Yeah, I like that yeah, strategy. Okay. <laughs> uh, in, unless they somehow in the next two years with the little draft capital they had, they have three first-round picks for Russell Wilson, unless they can figure that out, um, I don't know what the pathway forward is. Sean Payton has done a lot with a lot of unusual players like Taysom Hill, uh, Jameis Winston he had success with. I mean, there was one point I think he was – something like 16-5 and five, um, in his first 21 games without Drew Brees in New Orleans. He can scheme up, and this is also my disappointment with Bill Belichick, normally Sean Payton can scheme up around personnel deficiencies. And it feels like he's out of ideas right now. And that's the heartbreaking thing for me as someone who really cares about sort of offensive football and schemes and innovation in the game is that Sean Payton just doesn't seem to have anything. Um, doesn't seem like he wants to be there, frankly, um, which I did not expect at all. I thought he was a football lifer. I thought he was this generation's Bill Parcells. I thought he'd have a lot of success in a new place and turn it around pretty quickly. Um, I don't, if I'm giving Sean Payton advice, uh, I don't know where to start right now, except saying um, get to work and figure this out because it is not going to be easy. Uh, there's just not a lot of talent in Denver right now. And by the way, he's not helping. How similar is that situation to what is going to possibly happen in Arizona when Kyler Murray comes back from injury? So this, to me, is the most fascinating thing. So there's some reports in Arizona that Kyler and the new regime were actually hitting it off, which surprised me. I thought, that I think we all thought, that the Cardinals have two top ten picks coming their way. They control the draft. Uh, someone somewhere gets one of those top two picks, and all of a sudden they have a new quarterback, Caleb Williams, Jake May, and then they figure it out with Marvin Harrison or Joe Wall or one of these guys. The Cardinals look a little better, or at least more competitive, than we thought they were going to be. And then you start to think, okay, if Kyler returns to practice, which he did this week, if he can play in the second half of the season, which seems like if he's practicing fully, there could be a, a pathway for that. Wouldn't you rather have Kyler, who's at least established himself as a guy who can play well in the NFL, plus two other luxury pieces? That could be Marvin Harrison. That could be any of the three tackles who are going to go in the top half of the first round. Um, that could be Keon Coleman from Florida State, Brock Bowers if he gets healthy. There's so many options there. And I'm starting to think, like, okay, we all think that Caleb Williams is some franchise savior, and, and there was a quote a couple weeks ago that he was peak Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Listen, I've seen a lot of generational prospects come and go. I um, In the decade, I've been covering the NFL. And I'd rather have that first package I mentioned, the three players with Kyler, you know the floor, than the this sort of tanking thing. I think Kyler, on, I did not anticipate this eight weeks ago or even four weeks ago. I think Kyler can be a part of this future, and I actually think it makes a little bit of sense. Great stuff, Kevin. We appreciate it. Invent any words you want. We don't give a damn. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys. Thanks, Kevin Clark. This is football, courtesy of ESPN and Omaha Productions. And speaking of the Russell Wilson era, as we did just a few moments ago, listen, we know it may already be coming to an end in Denver, which is just remarkable. So is Russ cooked? 
when it comes to being a starter in the league. See, now that's not a bad tease right there from Evan. No, it is it's not. Russ cooked. A little wordplay. That's okay. It's next. ESPN Radio Series XM Channel 8. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. No, a lot of times you'll hear me hyping this stuff up, but you really get a lot of good information that you wouldn't hear other places from columns from Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler when they put together the buzz column on ESPN.com. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. And here's a little tidbit here that is very, very interesting that I want you to hear right after this. From superchargers, exhaust kits, and more, eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Joseph, here is the question posed and the response from Dan Graziano. Question as if I am reading it from a court transcript. (laughs) At this time of year, we asked how worried Broncos fans should be about Russell Wilson's contract on a scale of 1 to 10. What would your answer be now? Answer, Graziano, 10, and I wish I could go higher. I think the Broncos have to bite the bullet and cut him before the 2025 guarantees kick in next March. Designate him a post-June 1st cut. Take the $35 million dead money in 24, another $49 million in 25, draft a quarterback to rebuild around. This is a bigger project than I think Sean Payton expected, and a reset is probably the best way to go. If you're going to have a quarterback on a rookie deal for the next couple of seasons, you can afford to absorb all the dead money hits. So instead of having the rookie contract and then taking all that additional money that you saved on the quarterback and spending it elsewhere, you're just kind of spending it on Russell Wilson. Yeah. And he's not doing anything for you at all. Whoa. One one could argue that he's doing more for you not on the team than with the team. Yeah. But he hasn't been 
atrocious. He's just not winning you anything. And it's clear that the organization would want to go in a different direction after you hire Sean Payton. Number one, just think about this for a second. The, a, a sentence that caught my attention in there that was a little under the radar is, it's a bigger job than Sean Payton expected, a bigger project. We hear what Kevin Clark said last segment. Do you think there's a possibility, not only that he regrets coming back, but that maybe he doesn't hang in there for the entirety of this because this has been an absolute nightmare across the board? Regrets coming back? Absolutely. Not to say that he would go back and change his opinion of it and not do it, but I think that there's at least part of him that's thought, man, I don't I don't know about this. There has to be. This is a disaster, and he's getting dragged for it. I mean, it's not just the fact that he's losing. It's not the fact that, like, oh, yeah, hey, turns out Russ isn't a guy you could fix. It's the commentary about Nathaniel Hackett, and then the Jets come in and beat you. Like, there's losing – and we talk about this all the time. There's losing and there's dysfunctional. And they're borderline dysfunctional. And that's never where you want to be because that's the absolute worst case scenario. Now, whether or not he plays it out, that's a different story. Because if you're moving on from Russell Wilson, then yeah, absolutely you're going to want to play this out. If you can get yourself one of these top QBs, you're going to want to try to rejuvenate your career and you're going to want to try to show everyone, hey, it was Russ, it wasn't me. Don't worry. I'm still the same guy you remember from New Orleans who won the Super Bowl. I can win here. When it comes to Russ, there's two questions you got to ask. Number one, if you keep him and he's your guy, how many years away with him are you from serious Super Bowl contention? I would argue there is no answer to that because you're not going to seriously contend for a Super Bowl with him as your quarterback. So if you feel the same way, if you think, you know what, three years from now, if Russ is still our quarterback, he's going to be washed. Or three years from now, we're not going to be any better. You got to get rid of him. So then if it comes down to if we're going to get rid of him, why would we continue to play him? And the only answer there would be he gives us the best chance of losing in terms of getting a high draft pick. But I think you could probably lose with the backup just as well. And you don't want to risk the injury because then you're on the hook for the injury guarantees. So it feels like as you work your way through the decision-making process, all roads lead to eventually sitting him down and getting rid of him in the offseason. Just to give you an idea, this is why I think at the very least Peyton would consider walking away, which would be a, a dog of a move. It really would be. I think you would consider it because look at the picks that they have. They do have their first-round pick this year. They're done giving up first-round picks for Russ. Uh, the Saints have their second-round pick, and they swapped uh, third-round picks, or, or the Broncos got a third-round pick back in the whole Sean Payton trade. The Seahawks have the Broncos' third-round pick. So, in essence, you're going to have a worse third-round pick, no second, uh, you're going to have two fours, and, like, from then on, not, not a ton beyond that. Like, there, there's not a ton there to work with. And what are you trading to get up and draft a quarterback if you need to do that? I mean, I don't know what else they would have that's attractive other than, like, hey, we want to, we at the moment want to draft Drake May. Well, what can we do to get up to number two? Right now, where things stand, uh, as I do my own version of just trying to, you know, uh, go ahead and kill time as I'm looking something up. Ah, uh, nice. The old filibuster. Yeah, the filibuster, which really is executed poorly at this point due to my lack of ability to spell when typing in tankathon.com.
Yeah. Uh, Right yeah. now, Denver. Foley has- had a co-host that you could pass it off to to talk for a little while while you went ahead and handled your business. Maybe, maybe in the future of radio, they will have such a thing. I was just following your lead from earlier. Yeah, but I know me, how to search so. quick. So I'm a quick filibuster, and then boom, it's in, it's out. Joe well, you don't have fat fingers, and that's really the issue. <laughs> because I wrote tankathonathon, and then I wrote uh, tentathon as opposed to tankathon. Tentathon. <laughs> This week's Tenathon at Toyota. Come on in. 98 Corolla, $1,500. Yeah. No money down. Yeah, that's a place on Route 22 in Union, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, right now, they have the third pick. Are they going to be bad and By the enough? way, that's how a co-host buys you time. For yes. anyone who just missed what happened there, that's the type of thing that gets you a Marconi. Yes. Right there. Yes, exactly. You making not only not only covering the time, but making good material out of it. Great material. Top that's lunch. it for me. Let's Get, do lunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could use a wrap right about now. Um, I'm hungry, too. Listen. Yeah. It, there's nothing. The, the one constant on this show is that you and I are always hungry. We're always. This hungry. is the hungriest show on on Sports Talk Radio. This this time window. I gotta tell you. And it's bothersome when I look up sometimes in the Zoom and I seem like you know Evan can have his lunch during the show. Uh, same thing with Handman. We, Handman knuckles deep in some ribeye. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing we can do about that. <laughs> uh, right now, Denver has the third pick. Are they going to maintain that spot the rest of the season when you've got? Arizona, the Giants, New England. Um, I'll throw those three teams. Oh my in. God, we got some all-time tankathon games coming. We really. You're do. telling me the <laughs> the no. Cardinals and the Broncos no, are no, no, play no, no, each no. other? What, no, what I'm saying is they have them right behind them, knocking oh. on the door. They're all sitting there at one and five. So you've got you've got five one and five teams right now: Chicago, Denver, Arizona, the Giants, New England, at one and five. That's a dogfight. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Right? So if you are the Broncos, are you confident in your ability to stay in that number three spot? Because at least then you've got some maneuverability to move up to two if you really want Drake May. Let me ask you something. How hard is it to just go out and lose the rest of the games? You're losing when you're trying to win. You're telling me you can't lose when you try to lose? Denver can't afford to trade any of the draft picks it has because, again, if you're moving on from Russ, there's so much dead cap space, you're going to need to fill out the roster with rookies on cheap deals. That means not only hitting on your first-round pick, but you got to hit on your seconds, your thirds, picks of that nature. Those have to be players that contribute. So none of this comes down to whether or not you can maintain three. Just lose the rest of your games. You're already losing while you're trying to win. Imagine how well you could lose if you actually tried to lose because a bunch of those other teams will backdoor their way into some stupid meaningless wins. New England will definitely be one of those teams. They will win a couple more games and they'll be out of the equation. Arizona will probably be feisty enough to grab one more win. If you're the team that loses out, you're going to be sitting number one, number two, worst case. I, I don't know, man. They got the they got the Chargers on the schedule twice the rest of the way. You're going to tell me that Brandon Staley couldn't possibly hand away those games? Of I course don't, he could. I can't. Look, look, man, I got enough on my plate today. I can't be thinking that far down the line to that game. All right? It's that that's galaxy brain stuff when we're trying to figure out whether or not Staley can mismanage his way into a loss against a team that's actively trying to lose. But you, if there's a guy for the job, I mean, you found the guy for the job. 
Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. The Broncos, listen, they got Green Bay this week. They got a chance to, you know, get another win. So whether they be a winner or a loser, we pick losers. That's right after I have this from our friends at Indeed. Once again, Chris Carlin only. If he is not there, we are pulling our advertising. <laughs> this is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sometimes to stay ahead of the pack, you need to roll a little different. Pick giant losers. Let's pick some losers. Losers! All right, my friends, so, so many people take the easy way out, and they want to pick winners. Not us. Nope. We identify with the losers. So we are picking losers. Are you ready? Let's do it. There's nothing I do better than picking losers. Jaguars at Saints. Saints, two-and-a-half-point favorites, Thursday night football. Joe, who loses in New Orleans? This is an ugly one right here. Looks like Trevor Lawrence is going to go, but he's not going to be 100%. Saints lose this game. Money's been coming in on the Saints. It's up to two-and-a-half. Saints lose this game. Saints have a low-ceiling offense, banged-up O-line. Derek Carr's not throwing the ball down the field. It's hard for me to get behind this Saints team. They've been really tough to watch. Tonight's no different. New Orleans loses this game. Yeah, this is a this to me is a quiet big game here for Jacksonville. Go yeah. on the road and take care of business against a team that is much, much, much worse than their record would indicate. Just go get it done. Saints lose tonight. Raiders at Bears. Raiders three point favorites in a game that I think we can all agree we all lose. So, Joe, who loses? Ah, the Bears? Question mark? I don't have a lot of confidence here. Raiders aren't the type of team that should be laying points on the road. And when they are, you got to look at the opponent and say, man, good God, how'd you allow this to happen? But they've won a couple games in a row. The Raiders have found a way to play some quality defense this season. The offense is scoring just enough to win. I figure in a game where two teams could make a lot of mistakes, the Bears probably make more mistakes here. Yeah, I think the Raiders will end up making more mistakes here. Oh, and I wow. Got the, I got the Raiders losing outright to the Bears this week. Wow. Uh, in the case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, we will see Mr. Hyde this week with Justin Fields. I think okay. he will be better and ready to go. Well, whoa, whoa, actually, whoa. Wait, is he even is he playing, playing this game? He's got no, the no, dislocated no, thumb. Yeah, he's not playing, is he? I don't know. Do we have official that he's out this week? It was very doubtful. 
Yeah, let me back up. Screw that. Bears lose. Yeah, you got to pull the ripcord there. Yeah, had to pull the ripcord is right. I thought Fields was back out there, but he's not. Great job by me. Very, very tight. Raiders lose. (laughs) No, the Bears lose this game. No Justin Fields. Bears lose. Browns at Colts. Uh, Let's see if we can tighten this up a bit, Joe. Browns, two and a half point favorites in Indianapolis. I fully expect the Colts to lose this game. We know there's no Anthony Richardson, and Gardner Minshew has been an NFL quarterback by definition in how he has played so far. The Browns' defense is a dominant unit. I think we'd agree on that. I would expect the Browns' defense to live above everything else this week. Who picks these games? Can we pick one decent game? <laughs> We're going Jag Saints in the Bears Raiders into Browns Colts. Can we discuss one game with competent football? Sorry. Colts lose this game. Sorry, I thought my job was to pick losers. Yeah, we'll pick losers, but we can pick losers in appealing games, too. I mean, good God, man. That's three tough games in a row. Please tell me you got at least one half-decent game coming up here. Well, let's find out. Commanders at Giants. Oh, get the hell out of here with this. I don't want to talk about this game. This is another one where a terrible team is laying points on the road because it's a worse team they're going against. Giants, two and a half point underdogs to the Commanders. Joe, what say you? God, Giants lose this game. I can't. I mean, I've at least seen some bright moments from Washington. I have seen nothing from the Giants that would lead me to believe anything is going to be different in this game. You probably got the worst Buffalo Bills game in the history of the Buffalo Bills organization last week, and you still lost that game. The Bills did everything they could to give it away, and the Giants couldn't do anything about it. Giants lose this game. Uh, Myself, I would say that the Giants are going to lose this game because the Giants are a really, really bad football team. And I don't expect anything to change about that. All right, maybe this will be a little bit better. Falcons at Buccaneers. Not really. No. <laughs> is this what the NFL card is for week seven? Yes, it is. That that is. I'll tell you what, that Ravens-Lions uh, game suddenly looks like the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Rams. That's what that's looking like right now. Yeah, well, I don't think it looks like. I think it is the Super Bowl of this week, oh comparatively my. speaking, outside God, of Dolphin The red zone channel is going to be nothing. Hanson's just going to be sitting there sipping cocktails, keeping you updated when teams move across half field. There's a quad box for you. Oh, my God. Hanson with his nachos in one box, pizza in another box, wings in a third, and then any game that gets into field goal range. Office reruns in box number four. <laughs> Let's check in on the Browns Colts. Just kidding. That game's still 0-0. All right. Besides us collectively, who loses Falcons, Bucks, Bucks two and a half point favorites? I've been going back and forth on this one. I wanted to say that the Falcons were going to lose this game. But the problem here is that the Falcons can run the ball, and the Bucks have really, really struggled with their run defense this season. And if you struggle with your run defense like Houston does, the Falcons are going to have a great chance to beat you. I'm going to find a better angle for this later in the week because I know I'm going to be on it in some way, shape, or form. But right now I'll say the Bucks lose this game. Yeah, I would agree with that, and, and primarily for the same reason of the run game. And I just – after the performance of Baker Mayfield in – you know, the loss earlier in the week, you know, 20 to six, it was just, it was lifeless at times. You know, I just, yeah. I can't get behind him. And that is saying something when Desmond Ritter's the other quarterback. But yeah. B. John Robinson is there, and I do expect them to absolutely. 
pound the football. All right, listen, let's let's just skip any other dogs and get right to the two good games. Lions and Ravens. Go. Ooh. Ooh. I just gonna, by the way, just to remind everybody the Ravens are three point favorites at home against the Lions. I'm gonna say the Ravens lose this game. Yeah. And I really like the Ravens this year, but here's the thing. The Ravens are a three point favorite. They're coming back from London. Their defense is a highly, highly regarded unit that's top three in several key metrics, but they haven't played anybody yet. All the quarterbacks they've gone against, Burrow was hurt, CJ Stroud was in game one. They faced Minshew, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Tannehill and Malik Willis last year. This Ravens team is prone to slip up and I know the Lions schedule hasn't exactly been a murderer's row but I feel like getting a little I feel like getting a little saucy here I'm gonna say the Ravens lose this game yeah I'm with you pour that sauce on me baby let's uh, get some stank I don't on need it. that visual yeah well let's get some stank on it I got the Ravens <laughs> losing this game too I do not trust the Ravens they lose games that they should not lose I think the Lions are out to prove something right now and I think they they really got a lot of things going their way and finally Dolphins at Eagles uh, the Dolphins going into Philadelphia, the Eagles two-and-a-half-point favorites. I got the Dolphins losing this game. I, I think the Eagles will get it done at home, but I do think this is going to be a spectacular game. I, again, I don't think the points will be where you expect them to be. The total's not going to be in the 60s like everybody might think. I think this is going to be a, a tighter football game, but Jalen Hurts gets back on track against this Dolphins defense, and the Eagles defense does enough. Yeah, this is an under game right here. Philly threw the ball 45 times last week. They're not going to want to do that this week and keep sending Tua Tungavailoa and that offense onto the field. They're going to want to rest their defense here in this one. Uh, Look-ahead line was Philly minus three. Philly off the loss at home. Sunday night football. Link's going to be rocking. Phillies have that that city in a frenzy. Here comes Miami, who struggled at New England and at Buffalo. I think the Dolphins lose this game. Uh, Carlin versus Joe. Noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app each and every day. Don't forget, the Road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. In just moments, listen, we understand that tonight is not exactly a world beaters game between the Jaguars and the Saints, so we have the perfect diversion for you. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. To first double play. Presley gets it done. The Astros in a must win. They get it done. And it's a whole new series. We were close to winning the first two games. You know, we were one hit away. I mean, this team doesn't quit. We know that the Rangers don't quit either. You know, it makes for a good series. Big game four for Texas tonight and for the Astros trying to even it up. And of course, the Phillies out in Arizona. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, joined right now by ESPN baseball analyst Jessica Mendoza, who this week on Get Up uh, probably didn't expect uh, to be involved in hitting pancakes <laughs> with a bat and then tiny helmets with a bat. Uh, are they incredible the incredible segment? Incredible really, segment. It really was top notch. Would you describe those two things as the most obscure objects you have ever hit with a bat? <laughs> 
Oh, that's a that's a good one. Definitely since college, for sure. No, <laughs> I mean, yes. Like to have the pancakes was so fun, and I was like, okay. I didn't realize how much I would enjoy like obliterating things, like, watching them blow up. Like, it like, wow. gave me such joy that my husband texted and was like, you will never be allowed to use a mallet like when you're home because the grit on my face and the enjoyment of watching things explode or shoot off the walls or people's biceps. I mean, whatever happens. This, you know? this, is, you know, this sounds like the origin story for people who end up in Fight Club. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> well, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, Jess, let's start with the Rangers losing game three last night. How concerned should they be heading into game four, considering who the opponent is? You know, I mean, I think they're always going to be concerned because it's the Houston Astros. I mean, this is a team that, you know, has been dominant for a decade, especially in October. Um, I, you know, I think the biggest thing the Rangers have going for them is that they will go back to Houston. And it's crazy. And I get it. This is like, what kind of narrative is it that a team actually plays better on the road? It doesn't play well at home. I don't know why, but it is real. And the fact that the Texas Rangers, regardless of what happens in game four, know hey, we're going to head back to Houston, and that team cannot perform when we go back in their house. So I think there is some confidence, especially knowing this is a seven-game series. Jess, I like to bet on sports, so if this next question is quite nuanced, you'll forgive me, I'm sure, but Jordan Alvarez has been so hot in this postseason. You probably got to figure you want to walk him at least one time tonight, right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Like, can we all cap that? Like, big, bold letters, like, change the script. Like, I mean, there's so many good hitters in the lineup. I mean, Jose Altuve, Alex Spring, I get it. There's lots of opportunity. I mean, Mauricio Dubon, like, what? <laughs> like, it's the start three hits. But Jordan Alvarez is another level. I mean, they call him Little Poppy for a reason. Like, he gets into these situations and just annihilates baseballs. Although the biggest at bat I thought he had was actually last night, not the home run that got robbed, but mm. when it was a two-two count, they got in his kitchen. Like that has been the goal: get in on Jordan's hands. And normally he's taking bigger swings, and that's when he gets misses. Instead, he had a two-strike approach. I was like, hold on, he's changing and getting better as a hitter, and he found a way to get to the grass to make sure that he got a couple more runs for his team. And I'm like, okay, that is an even more dangerous hitter because even when you beat him he finds a way to still produce. So, yeah, don't throw him anything. Yeah, it was a completely unrelated note. Alvarez over half a walk, minus 130. <laughs> We're on board. <laughs> it is Jessica Mendoza joining us, ESPN baseball analyst. Yeah, it was bold of them, of uh, Will Smith, to go ahead and uh, not on purpose walk Bregman to get to Alvarez in that spot. Really brilliant uh, for Texas. <laughs> uh, not sounding like somebody who had all had uh, interest personal in that game as a Rangers fan. Um, that aside, Jess, let's get to the Phillies. I made this comment uh, the other night because it just feels that way. There are times where things feel inevitable, and the Phillies feel inevitable right now, and there may be nothing worse than being on the opposite side of inevitable. Is it at that point right now for the Diamondbacks, who are just the latest victim? Yeah, there is no one maybe outside of Arizona that wouldn't argue with you. I mean, it's been dominance, and, you know, People said this about the Diamondbacks, you know, leading into the postseason. They backed their way. They lost the last four games to kind of like, wait, okay, they made it. But, like, by default, they go upset the Brewers. Then they're up against the, the almighty Dodgers, which 
no one gave them a chance. And honestly, I didn't give them a chance because the Dodgers were a more talented team. But they continue to kind of ride that narrative. No one believes in us. We can still figure out a way. We talk so much about the Phillies' offense, but what impressed me the most, because I was in L.A. in Phoenix and saw what the Diamondbacks' offense did, is to see Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola shut down a really exciting and dynamic offense that has been silent this entire series. So that is actually what gives me more pause. I feel like they're going to hit. Like, let's be real. Like, if it's not Schwarber, if it's not Harper, like, you got Castellanos. Like, there's so many guys in that lineup. But when you can shut down, and everyone says that starting pitching will always outplay really good hitting, and that's what I see from the Phillies even more so than their offense. How much of it was the crowd that got to the Diamondbacks? As the series shifts to Arizona, I mean, you'd figure they're more comfortable, but will it be comfortable enough? You know, I don't know if it was the crowd as much as, I mean, getting the crowd on their feet because Kyle Schwarber had a great game plan and jumped on pitch one. Very first pitch the offense saw in game one, Schwarber at 117 miles an hour. Like, the way that Schwarber can just, like, whoa. And now, like, they don't sit down the whole game. They don't sit down the whole game, too. If you're, a, you know, you're a professional athlete, like, you're not going to say or feel that the, the crowd affected you. But I will say that it affected those two games because then it was, like, just absolute like there is no way that Arizona is getting back in this game and that's exactly I think how the crowd affected it Jess appreciate it can't wait to see what you're hitting with a bat next (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned tomorrow Jessica Mendoza ESPN baseball analyst she's been on get up all week long I am not feeling great right now as um, about Texas's situation when you got when you got the the Astros getting into a little bit of a flow last night. I'll tell you something that makes you feel better. Here's a bonus pizza money for you. Jordan Alvarez over half a walk minus 130. He's red hot. You can't pitch to him. You can't pitch to him. That's a wager. My gift to you, my friend. All right. Well, that's when they walk him in the first inning, it's going to not make me feel a whole lot better when they accidentally walk Bregman later and pitch to him again, and he hits a three-run bomb. So thanks. At least you'll make some money out of it, though, right? You come away with something. Yeah, I guess. But that, like, normally that would be a Carlin can't lose game, but that doesn't even feel like it then. Like, <laughs> I have really been guarded here. I don't want to get my heart ripped out again, recovering still from 2011. And again, Recovering still 12 years later. Yes. Listen, there are times where you just don't get over things. I just happen to have a lot of those times in my life. Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin versus Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin versus Joe podcast.